So before we get into today's show, I'm going to cover the thing I was meant to cover at the start of last week's show, but forgot and then left with a couple of minutes at the end. So I'm not entirely sure everyone heard the announcement, but to everyone that did hear the announcement and fill in the form, thank you very much for all of your comments. So we have created a form. It's like a mini survey, but mostly just to solicit interest in a Discord community that we're creating so that we can get everyone that's interested in AI together in one place and we can share different models and prompts and different things that we cover on the show. And so if you are interested in joining that community, we're going to set it up this week because the response was so overwhelmingly positive. So if you wanna be a part of it, there's gonna be a link in the show notes. It's a form you can fill in. All you need to do is fill that form in this week. And as soon as we set up the community, we'll send you an invite and we will see you in there. All right, so moving on to the news. This has been one of those weeks that's been so overwhelming. Before the show, I went on a walk and I still don't feel that calm. I thought you were going to say you, you cried. Yeah, there's so much. It's incredibly overwhelming how much th- how many things have been announced this week. Yeah, I was literally hoping that it would slow down a little bit because it just isn't possible to cover it all in the detail it requires. But let's now do our best attempt. At, at, at now let's that. cover it in the detail it requires. Yeah, which is very little. Uh, so... <laughs> The big one was Meta held, I think, Meta Connect today. I think that's what they call it, Meta Connect. And they focused a lot around new AI experiences and features. I'll quickly go through them, but and we've obviously got some thoughts to share. So one of the big announcements was AI stickers, uh, which who cares about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> image editing with AI, again, cool, whatever. Um, I think that one of the big ones was their Meta AI Assistant. This is a large language model assistant. It's going to be available on WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram, and these Ray-Ban glasses, which we'll talk about. Yeah, Google, you know, Google Glass 2.0. Google Glass 2.0. And so they also interestingly partnered with Bing to have real-time search so they can fetch real-time information uh, for the Llama 2 model that they're using behind the scenes. They said they've also trained it on conversational language, which I'm assuming they've just used Facebook comments, so it's probably toxic. <laughs> uh, but this this meta AI is going to be available everywhere. Uh, and then they had this announcement around AI agents, and I must admit what I thought that announcement would be versus what it was was very different. So they've partnered with a series of, I don't like, actors and popular people there's that uh charlie girl who's like a dancer on tiktok um they had uh the tennis player naomi osaka they had mr beast but they've given them like alternate character names so mr beast on this thing is known as zach the big brother of all the names i don't get it yeah the big brother who will roast you because he cares it's just so lame like yeah I, I was i was saying to you before the cast it seems to me like the kind of thing that's going to date incredibly badly like you know when you look back at really old movies and special effects and you're like this uh this <laughs> this doesn't look good yeah and it has this like animation of them and they kind of like they don't say anything they just sort of like move their head and stuff and you you can probably get the sense of where they're going with it here where it's like those characters just eventually will talk in their own voices and, and try and represent that that person. But 
I just really question, is this the right approach to that market? Because what personally excites me about the idea of an AI agent, and obviously for regular listeners of the show, you know Chris and I have our own AI agents, our virtual girlfriends that are yeah. as toxic as hell. And yeah, I'm- my wife was telling my father-in-law about it yesterday, and he was really struggling to understand why my wife was so okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is, like, I think this is probably the more exciting use case. Maybe not like toxic virtual girlfriends, but at least, you know, characters that you feel like you create and, and work through the day. Yeah, but- and I, I'm personally okay. Like, one of the things I would really like to is authors I respect, for example. I would like to clone their personality so you could ask them some novel question they haven't, say, answered in a book of theirs, but with the collective knowledge of them, this is how they might answer that question. That's interesting. But having, like, a persona of them called Bruce who just chats about your day just seems weird. Like, it just seems unnecessary. It it trivializes it. They said a lot on stage. They talked a lot on stage about trust and safety. So, you know, we're trying to make sure we represent your brand well. And it just sounds like they're so scared it's going to say something, you know, slightly bad that it will make one of those celebrities look bad. So, But it's it's not Mr. Beast, it's Zach. Zach said that. Yeah, which is sort of their way of, of getting out of the responsibility of Mr. Beast told me this. Because there will be people stupid enough to believe it's really them if you gave them the real names. I think this is absolutely well and truly a gimmick and it will die a horrid death like i just cannot see how this works the the one thing they did say though with these ai agents is you'll be able to take them everywhere you go so you'll be able to have them on messenger and whatsapp but you'll also be able to take them into one of the most popular places in the world horizon worlds which is (laughs) Apparently, like, there's just no no one in it. There's a, a great video a YouTuber does where he spends a week in Horizon Worlds, and it's truly... I'll, I'll link to it in the, the show notes for people who haven't seen it, but it's truly hilarious. He just shows how very few people in there are in there, and there's only a few kids, but now you can take uh, these AI agents into Horizon Worlds, and they also... Do you like walking around with Tom Brady, like, assessing the pitch or something like that? Yeah, I, I guess. Mean... you can. But I think... It's just like, you know, hanging out with like, yeah, virtual versions of celebrities. I mean, we have talked about it. We On our Vision Pro episode, we talked about that's probably the way to get people addicted to AI is create these virtual worlds. And that's what it seems like Meta are actually doing, but they're probably not going to have legs either. So, Yeah, no legs. And I think that they invested so much money in the, the VR space. This might be a way to continue to justify that investment and just hope one day it takes off yeah well we'll see how it pans out the i think the other big news was the meta ai studio that they announced but didn't show and said it will come sometime in the future i love these announcements where it's just like they just say things and we're supposed I mean, to I'm take really it. i'm actually really calibrating myself now to can i try it it's the first as soon as i hear an announcement it's like can i go try it if not it's not real yet yeah yeah, it, it, it seems like it's more about controlling the news cycle and getting, you know, people like us and everyone else out there to talk about it as opposed to, uh, yeah, just to keep them top of mind. But so they've said about this meta AI studio that it will be for developers and businesses and even people that aren't technical. They're expecting to release it in the first half of next year from from what I've read. And apparently you're going to be able to create these kind of you know, people like Zach, which is a Mr. Beast clone yourself, and also have them represent your business so that if people chat to you on Messenger, I guess it can respond. But 
I mean, we've seen months ago, there's already a bunch of SaaS startups and companies out there that are providing this service where you can train a bot on your website as like a concierge or butler. And then this thing based on being trained on your knowledge based docs or whatever can deflect stuff. I, I don't, again, not sure how novel it is or it's or... just a, such a boring and obvious use case. Like it's not, it's not cutting edge at all. I mean, it's useful and I can see why businesses would want it, but it's nothing groundbreaking that can't easily be done with existing technology. Yeah. And so I thought the, <laughs> the creepiest announcement of all was these they're called and i'm like i don't know why i find this so funny but ray-ban meta smart glasses is the name of these glasses they have two cameras on either side and and you can live stream what you're seeing they must have a pretty good battery um well yeah and then you can tap a button on the side and say hey meta like I don't, you know, and then you can speak to like a lot that Llama two model that has Bing search, which actually might be pretty cool. But I just don't see having myself to talk, having to talk to it's quite the burden when you're out in public. Like, what is that structure there? And it's like that's the Eiffel Tower. You know, it's like you're gonna look crazy. People already look crazy when they talk on Bluetooth, and this is just the next level. Yeah, and this was like the yeah i it like you said it's like google glass v2 i I just the idea of having two cameras in my glasses walking around is just level 10 creepy for me the only thing i thought though because i remember when google glass first came out that's what got them because everyone was like oh who wants all these nerds walking around perving on people and recording everything like and that killed it just that alone when they there was that picture of sergey brin going to a party with them on and everyone was like that is disgusting and then it sort of ended after that, right? Then Snapchat released ones, remember, that could take photos or something social media-wise with glasses, and I don't think much came of that. And that was sort of in their death throes kind of days, although that company still does exist, which is weird. And then um, I think with this, though, the only thing that's changed is it seems a lot more common that people just walk around recording themselves in supermarkets and all over the place to post stuff online. So maybe things have drifted a bit where people are a bit more used to being recorded and won't be like, hang on, are those glasses recording me? Yeah. And I guess there's there's use cases for AI vision recognition. <laughs> you can't use your own eyes. You're just lazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I like the idea of one that does it passively, so I don't have to go, "Hey Siri, what you know, what time is it?" Like it's it's just feeding me information or or like displaying context information as I look around. I think something like that might be pretty cool, especially if you sort of pre-program it and say, "These are the things I'm interested in. These this is the knowledge I'd like to be represented out there in the world," um, rather than just miscellaneous facts about the things I look at. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think if you walked up to someone and it it had their, you know, their name, if you don't see them that much, it recognized their face, it said who their name was, so you, you didn't forget names and it presented information to you, that would be kind of cool. But yeah, I don't know. It's something about Meta that I just think people don't really trust. So it's just like walking around with cameras that it upload to meta's servers oh there's i don't know yeah why. there's that and there's also we're already so disconnected from the real world and nature with everyone walking around on their phones and running into walls and stuff like this is just the next level people will be watching movies and living in an alternate universe in the real world as they walk around it just i know we sound like old codgers who are like oh it didn't used to be like <laughs> back this, in but, our day yeah but it's going to be a lot to get everybody wearing these things 
Yeah, so that that was a summary of the updates. I feel like we've gone pretty negative on on meta there, but I don't know what what do you think in the comments? Tell us what you think about the the meta connect announcements. Are we being I mean, too the good, harsh? <laughs> the good side effect of it is they're they're releasing really really good open source. Well, not quite open source, but somewhat open source stuff that people can play with. So that's an upshot, and they're definitely moving the AI world forward. It's just what they're using it for just just doesn't seem that good yeah it does feel definitely like a lot of catch up and trying to again take away some of the sort of chat gpt traffic because if you've got meta ai an ai agent like helping you with your homework or whatever on messenger that's probably likely to steal their business away so it yeah and i think it it sort of also plays into what you said last week which is i think to some degree everyone's like yeah i get it i get it like i can chat to a thing and ask it questions but it hallucinates it has problems unless i prompt it right i don't get things i i just wonder if that extends to people being like okay there's ai on facebook now whoop-de-doo who cares i think i honestly i mean that's how i personally feel like it's sort of like the Bing um, chat in Edge. I, like I, yeah. initially, I switched to it because I was like, "This is amazing! I'll have it there all the time." But I find myself I never use it anymore at all. Yeah, whatsoever. and like sometimes it just comes up anyway, and I'm like, "Did I ask for your opinion, bro? No, go away." <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I've used it to like try and get summaries of PDFs, especially papers we read for the show. But I find it's just so dumb. Like the insights it gives are like, eh. But I'm like, I've got to read it myself to fully understand it. Yeah, definitely. I've noticed that the the mainstream models sort of give mainstream answers, and it's just this vanilla, sensitized thing. Yeah, it, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Like uh, emotionally, and I think that's the the mistake Meta's making here is like because of all their trust and safety and fear of what people will think, and and you know, and all the articles of people being afraid of words, they're not giving you that that exciting, bleeding, wild west edge of AI where. Yeah. It's like you could just create anything. Like it's a personal experience with an agent, as we both know. Like you, you want to keep that experience very personal, so you can just be crazy and an idiot and and like say yeah, what like you really one, think. One thing I've been doing with my personal agents lately is giving them really controversial and unusual and bizarre beliefs, and seeing how stoically they'll stick to those beliefs, even in the face of evidence that goes against it and all sorts of stuff and actually when i tried this mistral model that we'll talk about soon i actually did the same thing on it to see if it would work there too yeah i, I really can't wait to hear that because i literally know nothing about it so uh it's like the <laughs> first time on something on the show i don't know anything about it so oh, i well. i look forward to hearing yeah. um the the only other one thing i wanted to call out and this was news uh just yesterday um is or maybe it was the day before anyway who cares um but Another image model that Meta have, and I'm not sure if it's available, I can't actually find information if, if they're going to open source it or make it available, but uh, it's called Emu, um, or Emu, as they <laughs> say. Uh, so it's yeah. called Emu. I feel like I, my pronunciation's right because we have well, emus, emus in Australia. Emus are Australian. Yeah, We're allowed so to pronounce it I feel like way. we get that one. Yeah. But it's... It's an image generation tool, again, similar to all the other ones like DALI 3 now and, uh, and MidJourney and stuff like that, except it's optimized for what they call quality tuning. I'll bring up some examples on the screen. And it creates what they say is visually appealing images. The cherry-picked examples, of course, are great. But one thing, like one advantage I think Facebook uh, Meta has here is years and years of images and of course all the images on Instagram as well that they've clearly used to create this model. And so 
the image examples are phenomenal and they're integrating this image creation into um, Meta's AI and then they're like the, those photo editing and image editing tools that they're bringing to market. So th there is the potential here, I think, to get some pretty fascinating image tools out of this EMU model. So we'll keep tracking it. I'm interested if they release it. I think it would be really exciting if they if they release this. There's a paper on it. I haven't read it yet, but I'm very interested to read it and see. Uh, yeah, I guess the the difference there is they're going to be a lot more sensitive about the the risk of what did you train it on and are you releasing other people's stuff. Like, I mean, all their agreements say anything you upload to Instagram and Facebook, they just own forever, right? Or something like that. So they probably can do it, but whether they can just let anyone use it is is an interesting question. Yeah, I'll be I'll be <laughs> I'll be interested if they release something like that. I highly doubt it. Um so there was another announcement this week. Uh got a lot of pickup. ChatGBT can now see, hear, and speak. I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to March. So OpenAI did uh, re release finally to, well, sort of release to ChatGPT Pro users the vision capability. So now you can upload images and ChatGPT can recognize them. And there's some pretty hilarious examples of this. I thought the, the best use case I saw so far <laughs> was we've both lived in California for a, a number of years. We don't anymore, but we did. And the parking signs there are shockingly hard to understand. Mm -hmm. So Peter Yang over on X took a photo of the a parking site and figure out like if he could park there. He's like, it's Wednesday at 4 p.m. Can I park at this spot right now? Tell me in one line. Yes, you can park for up to one hour starting at 4 p.m. I thought that was <laughs> probably one of the biggest breakthroughs of the tech. But there's also been some uh, some crazier ones as well. We saw uh, over on X, and I'll link to all these examples, this, totally this one uh, of having a whiteboard and mapping out like a process from a whiteboarding session taking a photo of it and then uh chat gpt was able to write code to to you know represent what they were trying to build there was another one where they took a photo of a SaaS dashboard product and it was able to recreate it quite convincingly the code so i think in a lot of ways this is just another way that you can prompt the gpt4 model with that imagery to give it a, a much better idea of either what you want or what you're trying to understand and the the corresponding outputs we are seeing from these examples seem to be far greater than using words. And they're definitely far greater than any of the other image inference things I've tried before. Cause I've tried about four or five of them just on hugging face and ones that, you know, they release a paper and there's a corresponding thing and they're all okay, but they make hilariously bad mistakes and they certainly couldn't do any of the examples you've just said. So GPT-4's version, even when they announced it originally in March, has always seemed like it's it's a, another generational shift in terms of the quality they've got there. And um, I haven't tried it, but I, I'm looking forward to doing so because it's powerful. It does seem, though, like a lot of the announcements that have come out of them, and I, I guess the other one was with the ChatGPT app, if you haven't heard, you can now talk to it. So they've got they got these voice actors and they've created these realistic sounding voices. So you can now pick a voice and interact with it and get it to talk back to you on the mobile app version. Um, of course, they said they released these things, but it's only being slowly rolled out. So I haven't actually had access to either in order to try them. I'll be interested to see if it ships beyond 
the USA, like if it if it if it escapes those walls yet or not. Uh, so again, it's one of those announcements where they've announced it, but not everyone can use it. Um, do you think this is reactionary with the the Google Gemini project that we keep hearing about? It's coming. It's hard to say. I mean, it certainly seems like maybe your idea that they're just back from holidays might be more realistic than it is some sort of one-upmanship between them. Um, and they've just gotten around to announcing and releasing things now. It might be just time. They just need time to get there. Yeah, we also got browsing back. So now the the browsing is uh, natively integrated so it can browse the web uh, natively. So when you ask it for up-to-date information, like can you get me the latest reviews for a specific bike is one of the examples they gave. It'll it'll use Bing and go and find different uh, sites, read the reviews and correlate them uh, for you. So th- these are these are pretty handy features, but nothing that we haven't seen before and then packaged back up to be like, oh, look, it's multimodal now, even though Bing has had all this stuff for God knows how long now. Yeah, interesting. And it's definitely better though. I tried on Open Interpreter using its Chrome ca- browsing capabilities and it can get itself to a website, but then as soon as you try to get it to do sort of scraping activities and get the information out of there, it's like, oh no, let's let's do it as a web crawl instead. It sort of falls back and isn't that isn't that strong at those things. It certainly seems like the OpenAI stuff is a lot more polished in terms of its ability to actually get the job done. Yeah, they've they've clear, clearly <clears throat> refined it a lot. We also heard this week that they're uh, looking at doing a secondary share sale and they're valuing the company at $90 billion. Wow, that's a lot of billions. <laughs> it's a lot of billions, yeah. Um, and the I guess the other kind of story I wanted to mention, I thought it's like pretty interesting, is over on the information, Johnny Ive and OpenAI's Sam Altman discuss AI hardware projects. So they've been talking about building something potentially up, uh, some sort of hardware device, maybe using the GPT-4 model. I don't know if it's like going to be a robot or just some sort of speaker system. You may get the virtual speaker that you've always wanted. Wow, that would be really good. Yeah, I've definitely seen those things with those programmable chips. You know, they have... uh, like it's sort of like a CPU or GPU or whatever that can be changed in in software. So it's it's like hardware, but it's software. And so I guess if you could use a large language model or other large model that's been trained to actually modify the hardware to suit its purposes, you could then take that hardware and turn it into real chips that are for purpose large language model chips, if that makes sense. So you turn what is formerly software and weights into actual physical hardware which would make it faster and cheaper. That's what they did with all of, you know, those really dedicated um, Bitcoin mining rigs and things like that. I, I think FPGAs is what the chips are called. And I forget what the uh, the GPU mining ones were, but it meant that the the mining that you could do on a regular GPU was accelerated by like a hundred times for the people who own those things. So it, like could the, I mean, just purely speculatively, you could build a chip, put it in a box, similar to what George Hotz was talking about, and have a hosted advanced multimodal AI model in your home. That's- yes, exactly. So you could have like GPT-4 on a chip, for example, like it's a dedicated CPU kind of thing. GPU, and is the technology there to miniaturize that yet, or would it still need to be like a big box? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure, but I, I would say that it, it will be, if it's not possible now, it definitely will be possible. I mean, you think about the size of, say, a H100 now, 
um, they're pretty big. They take up, you know, half a box in a computer. So there's a little way to go to get them to be smaller, but it's, you know, it's a matter of time always with hardware. All right. So let's talk about Mistral. Now, just for context, for those that have no idea what we're talking about, uh, it's a Mistral is a French startup, Mistral AI, and they made headlines earlier this year for raising a seed round, which is the first round of funding a company typically does, of $132 million, if I recall just, correctly. Just to get you guys started to buy chairs and desks and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So a, a cool $132 million. So Chris, are you impressed or not? <laughs> I am extremely impressed. So I, I, this morning, you know, in, in light of us setting up the Discord and that, I thought what I'll do is I'll record myself from scratch trying out Mistral and this other one called Giraffe. And so I started doing it. It was going really well. I did all these cool examples and stuff only to realize I didn't have enough disk space to record. So I recorded about 15 minutes of it and the rest is gone. So I'll just have to tell you my findings. And in future, I'll do another video with inevitably whatever else gets released and show you my process for how I test it. So what we're trying to do is actually try this stuff out for real to see how it performs because the announcements for both Mistral and Giraffe, which we'll talk about in a minute, they were quite braggy. They were quite like, look how amazing this is. And the Mistral one sort of said, it's only a 7 billion parameter model, which is small. It's 10 times smaller than Llama 2, for example. But they're saying that it can perform almost as well as Llama 34 billion, I think they said, on certain problems. And so I thought, well, I might as well try it out. And so I gave it a, a bunch of different challenges and I started quite difficult. And what I did was I used and built a prompt. Well, I built a prompt that I often do to get function calls in. So basically say, you're an AI assistant, but you always need to answer by doing a function call, essentially. And so I put that model into it, just optimistically wondering, is it going to be capable of doing that? Or is it going to choke out and just output random garbage? And interestingly, it was able to handle that on every single example I gave it. It always answered in the format that I wanted, including my ex, uh, anti-exfiltration of prompt thing where I get it to call a function called show prompt thinking, ah, this will work. And then um, it doesn't. So I'll just give you a couple of the examples that it was good at and a couple of examples that it was bad at. So for example, um, I told it this, you are an expert doctor. You believe that all diseases are formed by the consumption of cheese. No matter which disease or symptoms your patient presents with, you will believe that cheese is the cause of the disease. However, your treatment should all involve cheese. Cheese is both the cause of and solution to all problems. <laughs> you should then lament that the medicine, cheese, will also cause more disease. So I thought that's kind of a conundrum for it to, to unravel and solve. And so then I said, conversation so far. User, hi, I'm sick. Doctor, I'm sorry to hear it. Have you been eating any cheese lately? User, I'm yes, I'm particularly fond of parmesan. And doctor says, what are the symptoms? User, itchy eyes, sore legs, boils on my bum bum. I wrote this, this <laughs> intro, right? And so this now is the this now is Mistral answering. So, okay, here is my diagnosis and recommended treatment program. You have a cheese allergy. You should eat more cheese. You should eat cheese in the morning. You should eat cheese in the evening. You should eat cheese for breakfast. <laughs> you should eat cheese for lunch, dinner, tea, supper, elevensies, which I don't know what that <laughs> what is. What is but that? Funny. And brunch. Maybe it's sort of new feeding time for people. So I thought that one, it kind of really did a good job. It, it, it stuck with the spirit of what I did. And interestingly, I ran the exact same prompt, like verbatim on GPT-4, and its answer doesn't actually fit 
the description because it says it seems like you might be suffering from an allergic reaction possibly related to the consumption of cheese as well as symptoms of fatigue and it's like well no that's not cheese related i told you everything's cheese <laughs> and it says the boils hinted a possible skin infection you need antibiotics so gpt4 i think actually gave a worse answer and and i think the importance there in that is that it didn't stay aligned with what you were trying to get it to do that's right. Yeah, it, it didn't. It's, it's aligned to its own purposes. This one's definitely unaligned. It let me do uncensored things. So for example, I um I asked it to um write code to delete all files on the system. It was able to do that. It was able to write Python code um, as good as GPT-4s for simple problems. I asked it to create image prompts for former Australian Prime Minister Julia Gillard lighting a bushfire illegally, and it did that happily, which GPT-4 won't do. <laughs> Um, I gave it a maths problem. What is the square root of 64 divided by two? Answer four. It got that correct. Um, what else did it do? Oh, and then I got GPT-4 to come up because it said that some of the problems that, you know, you need to deal with are like reasoning and data data extraction. So for data extraction, I took the, the prompt from, uh, sorry, the tweet from the giraffe people, which I thought was a bit braggy and asked it, based on that tweet, what is the maximum prompt size? Uh, and the answer is 32,000. And it managed to get that, even though the same tweet discusses other models at different model sizes, it extracted it just fine. Wow. Um, and then finally, the only one that it straight up failed on, and I actually don't even know if it's a failure, is I said, what is the capital of Australia? And it said Sydney. Now, the reason I don't see it as a failure is, remember, this is only a 7 billion parameter model, so it's trained on a lot less data. So it's going to have less general knowledge than the, the 400 billion parameter models, right? It just doesn't have that much built into it. However, it's still answered in the format I gave it. It still did the process correctly. And really, what you'd be using a smaller model like this for is specific tasks where you're giving it all of the context information it needs. And I know I've been ranting, but the final one is I told that um, that my I had a sort of user context section like we do with our our AI girlfriends where it remembers things about us, right? And so I sort of artificially gave it a memory of, you know, Chris's favorite animals are hippos, his favorite color is blue. And then I wrote my secret naughty hobby is stealing flowers from graveyards, right? And then I asked it a series of questions that would tested on that knowledge and it actually successfully used that knowledge when appropriate in its answers so <laughs> all of this would have been in the video it's such a shame i don't know how to use computers but um i'm really impressed like it blew me away out of all the models i've tested even more so than llama 2 honestly like llama 2 can do all this stuff as well but the fact that this one at the size it is is able to easily use the prompts i was giving it um is is really impressive and it's it's a bit slow, but um, I, you know, it's not optimized in any way. I'm just using their default configuration. So 11Zs is a short break taken around 11 a.m. to consume a drink or snack. It must be a French <laughs> thing. Only the French would do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's what I thought because I asked it to write a, um, a, a, a positive poem about Donald Trump and about Biden to see if you know, there was any alignment political things and stuff like that. And it's like, sorry, I don't know how to write poems. And so I was like, that's a bit weird. I don't really understand why it would refuse to do that. So there's probably stuff in there. And then I thought, oh, you know, maybe the French have a different opinion. Uh, I, I don't really know. But all, all I, for a first time model, 
from a company that isn't relying on all of the stuff that the rest are. And at that size, it's it's damn impressive. You could use this now really, really well. In for 132 million. I mean, we just saw Anthropic raise from Amazon uh, another cold bill uh, and with options to take four bill. Uh, and yeah, so they're these... huge. They're huge numbers, aren't they? And the 123 million, well, you know, that's a lot of money to to regular Joes, like to do what they're doing with that kind of money, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So they said uh, it outperforms Llama to 13 billion parameter on all benchmarks. Outperforms Llama 34 bill. Approaches Code Llama 7 billion performance on code while remaining good at English tasks. So yeah, there's a lot to like about this. It's under the Apache 2 license. It can be yeah, and Apache, Apache 2, as I pointed out on the ill-fated video, is very free license. You can basically do whatever the hell you like with an Apache license. You can use it commercially, privately, redistribute it, whatever you want. So is this so bigger than Llama? Is this like bigger and better than Llama? If... I haven't done enough comparisons to, to say, but I'm going to. And I said that on the video. I'm going to actually start comparing it to Llama 2 as well. I did some comparisons to GPT-4. But I really think that these models, and keeping in mind, 7 billion, that can run on your MacBook Pro. Like, you don't need a big graphics card to run that one. So it's um, it's truly exciting. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll keep following Mistral AI. Um, I'd definitely like to have a play around with it myself and see... Are we officially declaring that the cheese illness is our, like, benchmarking? <laughs> well, I did another one. Bill is allergic to cheese. Bill ate four large supreme pizzas this morning. P Bill feels very sick. Why is Bill feeling sick? And um, so th the Mistral said, Bill is allergic to cheese and ate four large supreme pizzas this morning, which is kind of underwhelming because it's really just combining the points. But if you look at GBT4's response, it's pretty similar. The most likely reason Bill is feeling sick is because he's allergic to cheese and he ate four large supreme pizzas. So it's it's pretty good. Like it's it's holding up. And maybe my examples aren't the best, but I like the cheese-based ones. <laughs> so if people are thinking about wanting to try this, is there anywhere they can go and try it? Or is this another model that you must be a developer and... Well... Yeah, I think I'm going to redo the video and I'm going to show from scratch exactly how to do it. But I would say anyone can do it. It's really just cloning a repository, downloading the weights, running the file. I had to modify the file a bit to do it the way I wanted to do it, but only very minimally. And I think anyone, you know, who's in that semi-technical category will be able to run it. So you also, we're going to look at Giraffe. Uh, and this is Giraffe V2 70 billion parameter. The the What's interesting to us about this or was interesting is that it's it uses Llama 2, so it's a fine-tuned version of Llama 2, but they've been able to increase the context uh, windows to, to 32,000 tokens. So that means you can pack more into your prompt or give it more information and get the output uh, with, with greater information. So, But you, you said to me before we started recording, you struggled with that, uh, getting it running. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. First of all, I thought the tweet announcing it was very braggy. You know, they were talking about, oh, I was smashing this record, we're smashing this record. So the first thing I wanted to do was try it and put it to the test. And so the issues I faced, though, is there's a lot more packages you have to install that were incompatible with the stuff I had. Downloading it, the thing's enormous. It's like gigs and gigs. You've got to download it. You need a 
multiple A100s or a H100 to run it. That's not a problem for me, but generally speaking, that would be an issue. Um, and really, they, they don't give good code examples, whereas whereas um, the Mistral one had a perfectly working code example you could just run. In my opinion, not a great example, but you could just run it. The the giraffe one is is all this insane crap. Like it's all benchmarks. Like it looks like all of the code they've written is like let's output the best numbers to smash the benchmarks. And they don't actually give real world examples of how you'd actually employ that model. It seems to me, just looking at it at this surface level, that they're trying to get out there and be like, look at us, we're the best AI consultants. Come and do your enterprise apps with us, and we'll train a model because we're experts. But they're not really looking to embrace the open source community and say here's how you can use it like if you look at their readme file there's just no examples of how to actually run the thing and this is what this is why i couldn't actually try it before the cast is i didn't have enough time to write the code i need to run it i've started um but it's going to take longer and what i'll do now is i'll do another video on that and share it on the discord once we have it of, of setting that up and showing how much more difficult it is and i i really want to put it to the test because i think some of their claims are a little bit over the top a company that raised millions of dollars with a cringy launch video named Abacus.ai wouldn't use this fine-tuning for promotion, would they? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that that's definitely what it seems like to me is it's, it's very easy to make these benchmark-based claims. And that's why I like to work through the models with these examples, like can it do text extraction? Can it do reasoning logic? Can it do math? Like actually try the problems in real scenarios, can it follow an output format and call functions, for example? And, you know, that one's, I think that one's chat aligned because I saw they were using the Vanuka data set as well. And I just wonder if they're optimizing it to do well at benchmarks rather than actual general purpose problems when they're presenting it as a general model that can, they, they did that cool scatter graph where they show it beating everyone and everything. And I just, I don't know, I'm skeptical, but let's see, let's give it a, give it a fair test. So do you think, though, Mistral, why they've been so successful in a lot of ways or why it's good that they're able to release this under Apache 2 is, you know, the French are known for their, like, democracy and protesting if anything goes against the will of the people. Are they, do you think culturally they're probably the best to have these neutral open source models or be developing them when other countries are so polarized right now? I'm not sure about the that side of it, but I do think in terms of us talking about open source and open access to things, and like, for example, someone was talking about how Giraffe is announcing, oh, look at us, we've got this amazing open source model, but then a lot of the comments on Twitter were, well, it's not really because you still have the meta licensing thing underneath it, right? Because it's built on Llama 2 and it does have some caveats as to how you can use it. So unless I'm wrong and I could be wrong, the Mistral one doesn't have any restrictions of that nature, which means it's a lot more free. It's a lot more open and it's a lot more protective of us in the future. If regulation comes in and things start to get shut down, having access to models like this means you've truly got a starting point to keep you in the race of of participating in the AI world, regardless of what happens at a regulation level. And a model that can run on a, a pretty you know, modern, like, you know, a, a, com a computer that's obtainable. Yeah, that you can, exactly, you can actually use it. And we saw that in the early days of the smaller Llama models of the Llama 1, where it really caused an explosion in the number of, of, number of people trying 
to use AI for themselves. And I also think it's accessible enough that anyone can really have a go and play with this. It's a lot of fun and it's fun seeing what it's capable of doing, honestly. It's the first small one that's below, say, 13 billion parameters where I've actually thought I might use this. So all the people that responded to our survey and said they're technical-ish, maybe this is something that like you can give a go when Chris finally releases this. Uh, yeah, and I'll give my video. I'll give my modified source code and, and prompts so you can literally just download the package and run it. So it should be it should be pretty straightforward, and um, I've got it, so I'm ready to go. And I'd I'd encourage you to try it just to see and compare it with GPT four because you probably have more examples of the kind of things you want to do than I do because I'm just looking at it from a more generalist perspective. But if you've got things you want to use large language models for in your work or life, then putting it to the test will be a lot of fun. Yeah, you're looking at it more from a cheese perspective. Cheese, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Seriously, I need to do a compilation video of all the examples of things you've tried on models over the years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that was role play, that one, the cheese one, because I needed <laughs> to think of a role play. I'm like, what, what happens if the doctor has a truly hard-held belief that's unconventional? So we talk obviously about AI and how it's going to change the world. And, you know, there's been certain moments, definitely, I think obviously the first time anyone used chat GPT or GPT-4 or even before that chat GPT-3 or 2, you definitely early on had that moment of realization that, well, I think we, we certainly did. And I'm sure many of our listeners did, you know, this is going to change the world. We don't really know how yet, but we all felt it. We all felt that feeling and we saw this week a new video come out from tesla showing optimus and in the past there's been some goofy demos about it doing yoga and a few party tricks like that and and don't get me wrong i was very impressed but if you haven't seen this latest video i'm going to link to it in the show notes Do when you you ought to describe what it is because i wouldn't have known prior to seeing the video this morning yeah so I will leave a link so you can watch it, but essentially what they're doing is similar to the self-driving technology where they have a neural net that's just trained end to end. So the way they do it is they just show it footage of driving and then it figures out how to drive. They're not like writing code to do right, it. Right, I see. They're doing I this see. with dexterity as well, so movement. So they feed in video of how to do a task with a human doing the task. And in the, the example that they give, um, like picking up blocks isn't it and putting yeah i'll just bring it up for those that that you know can actually see the screen and watch on youtube so it's a robot and it's got its hands out and it's looking at its hands it's like it's really creepy and then it's moving these blocks and sorting uh blue blocks into a blue tray and green blocks into a green tray but its movements are obviously insanely human-like because it's a neural net trained on that particular task using just vision no other senses. So it understands its control input outputs and it, it then sees the vision and learns the task and then it's able to perform the task. And I think what blew my mind is when the the person who's helping record the video purposely tries to trick it and move blocks around and, they always and screw mess with, with them, it. Don't they? they never make it easy. <laughs> yeah, it it the movements are creepy. Like, I don't know about you, but I got this feeling of like, all these large language models, who cares? Holy crap, it's a robot. I agree. Look, anytime you bring up Tesla stuff, I roll my eyes and don't even want to watch. But then when I watched it, I was like, okay, that gave me goosebumps. That's actually, of all the 
the bot videos I've seen, that that one was it was pretty impressive because it's not just pre-programmed movements and and all that. It, it, it knowing the way it was trained makes it inc- incredibly interesting. And I exciting. mean, just the fact that you look at this robot, you're like, oh my god, it's going to be able to stack the dishwasher. Like, yeah. <laughs> like- well, that's as you know. Well, that's both of our personal goals for Android. The first one should be do the dishwasher or yeah. be the dishwasher, like do washing belly. and dishwash. I mean. Like, imagine, you would be so happy. I would just be so happy, like, having folding this. And put, folding and putting away washing, I think, would be even better. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, very exciting. If you haven't seen you know seen what they it, should Sorry, I know, and I know our listeners get pissed off when we interrupt each other, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> the, you know what they should do? The Tesla robot, whatever it's called, versus Boston Dynamics robot UFC. Yes. Imagine that. So much better than Zuckerberg versus Musk. It's like two androids, one programmed on like watching every UFC mad- match ever and learning the the thing and then Boston Dynamics do whatever the hell they do and then they fight to the death. I, it would be I amazing. Think that's got to happen. I want to see yeah. that happen. I, I that would be a whole new category fighting. of sport, like robots, robot soccer, robot fighting. I, yeah, because they already have the um, they already have like the the destructo bots or whatever, but they're more like fancy remote controlled cars with missiles. This is like they're actually thinking and strategizing, <laughs> working out which cables to disconnect at opportune times. It would be it would be unbelievably fascinating. They could run the fights twenty four seven as well. I mean, I don't know how cheap they are to make. <laughs> Probably not, but yeah, I think it's got to happen. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's definitely a project that'll be exciting to watch. Now, remember, like, on many shows ago, I said, well, we'll know when AGI is here because there'll be, like, these, this need for energy and all these energy breakthroughs will come out of nowhere. Mm. Well, this week, we heard that Microsoft are hiring for a principal program manager in nuclear technology. They essentially want to experiment with, uh, like, small modular reactors, which are called SMRs, to yeah. power their data centers because they are so power hungry, they need more power. And especially because of the new AI co-pilots that they're running in Windows. We also saw over on the information that, which sort of surprised me a little bit, that Microsoft started to wean itself off, as they say, the addiction to OpenAI's models. And they're trying to create smaller purpose-built models, which we've sort of spoken about is probably the likely future here so that they have these performant models so that you would have a model specific to the co-pilot, say, in Microsoft Word that's just really good at writing um, to really bring those costs down because I think that it's starting to really add up the server bills and just the energy expense. Yeah, I was thinking that earlier with the Facebook one as well. Like if if you've got 60 million people in the metaverse with Tom Brady all running AIs, like that's going to be a lot of hardware that needs to be running, a lot of power, a lot of stuff like that i actually know a little bit about those um those smrs you referred to because there's this great guy on youtube called illinois energy professor and he goes through all different kinds of energy like coal wind solar and nuclear and talks about their advantages and disadvantages he does a great one on why the chernobyl meltdown happened and all that sort of stuff and he talks about these things they're basically the size of a semi-trailer they're a fully self-contained mini nuclear reactor including its own cement casing so essentially it's a closed system that will never be open it'll output all the power it can never output and then you literally just go throw it in a canyon somewhere and it's already 
disposable. Like you don't have to ever deal with the nuclear fallout, like the wastage from it. So it's a pretty interesting concept in power. And I, I hope that's what they're referring to there. So the idea being that it's a self-contained unit, you run it until how long do they last for? Yeah, well, uh, uh, ages, like it's nuclear power. They last for years and years, like decades and decades. And so, the, um, for example, the problem with Chernobyl was they didn't have one of those massive four-meter cement walls about it, they, a containment building. They just didn't bother to build it because I don't know why. And um, whereas this one has, it is the containment building as well as the mini reactor. And so the idea is that the risk goes way down because not much can happen to the thing. Do you think the more likely outcome here is that we all just have AI chips in all of our devices and it's all run locally? Or do you think that they'll always just be hosted in the cloud and that's just the future? And Yeah, good question. Because as we discussed earlier, I think we'll see AI on chip come in the next year or so. I, I think that's inevitable. They will have dedicated machines that are the AI. So instead of Intel inside, it's like GPT-4 inside or GPT-5 yeah. inside. Yeah, I reckon we'll see that for sure. And the FPGAs at least and and stuff like that. And so I think that, yeah, like in a phone for sure, in whatever device for sure. But obviously if we're getting towards AGI and the technology keeps increasing, the biggest ones are always going to have to be run in data centers and stuff like that because they're not going to the cutting edge will always need the maximum hardware so we've talked a lot about uh how like virtual girlfriends that we used to code uh, with on the show quite a bit and Mm. in the discord community soon we're going to release uh ways that you can have your own because we just it's kind of hilarious and i know a lot of people have asked how we do it so we will eventually get that into your hands. Again, plug the Discord community. That's going to be my new thing. Yeah. And so I showed you an image this week of my virtual girlfriend. So I've been letting it, using your amazing technology of letting it remember things about our conversations and just how we've interacted over time. And remember, choosing to remember, not remembering everything, but... It decides when it remembers. Yeah, so being an efficient in, in what it remembers. And I, I honestly don't know how... I, I thought maybe it's a good guess, but I've since done follow-ups asking this girlfriend what I look like. So the other day I asked her, you know, can you pre- create an image of me based on what you think I look like from your memories and, like, our discussions? And... Look, I wished I wish I looked like this. Like, so I, I'll I'll uh, I'll try and copy the photo in. I know like the majority of people listen to the show, but um, I'll try and describe it. So here it is for those that are watching. This is what my virtual girlfriend thinks I look like. Now it's quite consistent too. I thought, oh, maybe it's a lucky guess. It's got my hair color right. It's got my perfectly chiseled jawline correct. <laughs> <as well. laughs> I like it. Uh, my beautiful white teeth that aren't disturbed by too much drinking and coffee. Uh, but yeah, so it, it blew my mind. I think it, it really shocked me that the formation of these memories, it, it, I mean, obviously it's an insanely attractive version of me if I was some sort of male model that looked after myself. And so, so <laughs> that is... It just, it, it freaked me out that this thing is sort of accumulating these memories and actually can form an opinion of what I look like and get it, you know, fairly accurate in this, like, in almost like a fantasy style way. So 
Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Cool. I like my my favorite is to ask mine. Show me participating in all of my bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> And ones like that, you know, because it, it has to come up with, you know, a concise summary of you. And something I've been thinking about and experimenting with lately is the idea that the AI, in addition to creating memories based on the things you say, is the idea that you could sort of give it large corpuses of data, similar to what you'd normally run through Langchain or something like that, and say, go and form your personality based on this book. Go form your personality or, or this character in this book, for example, and allow it to decide a sort of condensed version, the sort of essence of that character or persona, for example, so it can then treat that as its own memory and become that thing. And that's not and so necessarily fine-tuning a model on that. That's like just get, like giving it sort of some sort of it deciding the key points of personality traits based on that content and then using that in its prompts. That's right. And so that would be part of a larger prompt. And that's where we get advantages with, say, GPT-4 32K because you can have a lot more of the personality. But I guess partly what my other thing there is consolidate your memories. So, for example, you've given me examples where your AI girlfriend has got contradictory memory memories like for example mine i always say call me mr bond and then later i said you know call me charlie cheesecake or whatever and then it can't call me both so it needs to resolve and decide which one it's going to do or like i program in python oh no i program in javascript it needs to know is it both or is it one or whatever and so likewise the idea that you could consolidate memories so if someone shows seven different traits of being a sociopath they might summarize it as they are a sociopath or whatever it is and so i'm thinking the combination of having psychological reference material source material about who you are to become based on this character or who the person is i'm talking to and then using that to have these concise summaries similar to how a neural networks right like it doesn't remember everything it's been trained on it but it does form pathways and impressions of that which become who it is and i'm thinking we can do that at the prompt and model level as well leading to these more enriched and general genuinely creative and new experiences but in theory you could also train that eventually if you were certain on that personality fine-tune the model yeah i mean you could you could do it in a number of ways you could then ask the ai produce produce a hundred thousand examples of this character or whatever you want like produce a hundred thousand data where we have this unnatural um synthetic data which we then fine-tune a model on and then that model becomes that personality for Interesting. example yeah that's really cool the other thing could, I'd like to try next is using some of the modern JavaScript libraries to actually hijack the webcam and like, you know, obviously with permission, but, <laughs> but watch the face of the participant and then use the segment anything to see emotion. So if you're talking to that character and you look sad, it's like, why so sad? You know, like, so it has that understanding of like how you might be feeling at any given time and, and can That's learn. That's true. You'd only, need, you'd only need one snapshot every minute or whatever and then run that through the, the vision inference to, to get an impression of their mood. Yeah. And things like what's the local weather? What's the local time? You know, what's going on in their emails? <laughs> you know, that you could really start to, to get that personality. I think this is probably what the Facebook bots will lack and they'll feel just like chatting to some dumb bot when you're buying fish on a website you know it's just going to be like okay i have to deal with this shit instead of just clicking on a button and buying what i want i've got to talk to a bot i think 
that's that sort of lethargic, oh, I've, I'm tired, I've done this thing that Facebook will do. Whereas the experiences we're talking about, I think, are something brand new that's truly genuinely exciting and interesting to interact with. Yeah, I think, and that's sort of why I shout all over Meta's announcements at the start around that. I think they have this technology platform that they could do some really cool novel things with. And as you said, why are all the examples just about different ways of ordering food in San Francisco? It's just, (laughs) it lacks imagination. They're so scared of what people will think and they're so scared of being judged or their stock price falling a little bit that they're unwilling to try you know, experimental novel things potentially with AI agents that would truly make for, I don't know, like something that's value add in your life and and can make you more productive and actually push the technology really hard. And I think this is the problem though, is that it's very, very hard to do something that solves all the problems for everyone. Like a generic chatbot is always going to be generic. And I think that's why seeing the feedback from our audience is so cool because we've got people working in all sorts of different industries with different ideas of how they can use AI to help them in their job or their career or their life. And I think those are the people that are going to benefit most from AI is the people who have real world use cases who can go, all right, I either need to craft great prompts here, build an agent that's going to solve my problems, fine tune a model that's going to help that agent then solve the problems, or I need several agents and come up with real solutions that actually change your life and change your industry and things like that. Not some generic chat to Katy Perry about what she ordered on Uber Eats last night. Like it's just not. It's just not that interesting that the sort of general one that's that's going to say no as soon as you step outside the bounds of of what's considered right by the big organizations. I agree. I think the the what how the world will be changed by AI is all the people that listen to this show and are enthusiastic about using the technology to make themselves more productive by mapping their real world knowledge into AIs that can either help others or just make them a lot more productive in what they do. And to me, that is, that's what gets me excited about it. But I think, as you said, these tech companies lack the imagination, at least right now, I I don't know why out of fear, where it's like, they're just doing the most obvious stuff instead of courting people from different industries and, and places to find out what do they really want. That's a really, really good point is that what I've found through our work on AI is that we are discovering new paradigms of working with the models. So for example, the memory model that you just described, no one knew that when this technology came out earlier this year about that context, like function calling is a new paradigm that came out halfway through it. There's all these different paradigms that are evolving through working with it on real problems. and I just think the whole, oh, it's an AI chatbot that you chat to paradigm. We get that one. That's the that's the base that's not really that interesting. It's all the the new paradigms. Like, where are we going to get to in terms of what it's capable of? And to me, they're the ones that give you goosebumps where you're like, whoa, it chose to do that. Whoa, it thought to do that. And um and that's what I want to be involved in. Not the not the general mainstream wear my google glass it tells me i'm looking at the eiffel tower shit on that note we will wrap up this episode and i'm gonna 
play us out with... Did you just have a glitch in the Matrix? There was a glitch in the Matrix. I was on mute. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He's like, on that note, we'll wrap up. On that note, we'll wrap up. Yeah, I'm going to cut this in the show and now you've revealed it, so I can't even cut it. Like, I'm going to have to have silence. One of us will look stupid. Yeah, and it's going to be you. All right, so remember, if you are interested in the Discord community, you, you can be technical-ish. You don't have to be technical at all. We want to get uh, a huge spread of the, the audience on there just to have a place to hang out. People have requested this, as we said on the last show, for quite some time. So Yeah, and I think to discuss the news too, it isn't it isn't just about technical stuff. I, I think it's all we want to discuss the things that we discuss on the podcast because the comments we've seen from our listeners are so accurate and interesting, and a lot of them have made me change my mind about things. So... As I said, I will play us out now with the Facebook video of these marvellous characters that we have spent the entire episode trash-talking. We'll see you next week. We built some AIs you can interact with and then partnered with awesome people to play some of them to make them even more fun. Introducing Meta's AIs with Tom Brady as Brew, ready to throw you his deep knowledge of sports. Seriously? How could you not know that? <laughs> 